Good morning, Homestead. My name is Megan Merricks, and I am one of the pastors on staff. And so I'm glad that you are here today. Welcome. I am excited to be here. And you have to realize that we have dug pretty deep if we are getting down to me being up on this stage. So we had Colonel a few weeks ago, um, and that was getting pretty deep. So now we've gone to another level. No, no, I kid. Um, so I am, I manage the administrative and the financial details of the church, and as well as do some small group teaching and one-on-one -on -one mentoring for women and stuff. And so then I also lead a women's coffee, which meets on the first and third Fridays of the month. So if you just are a woman that's looking to get connected in a casual environment, um, we meet at 7 a.m. here. So I invite you to that. Um, as I said, my husband is Jeff Merricks. He's also known as the Colonel. And since we have two Pastor Jeffs on staff. So we have two wonderful daughters, Emma, who's back doing slides today. Thank you. She is 21 and getting married in 26 days. So we are pretty excited about that. And then we have another daughter, Kerrigan. She is 19 and going to be a junior at Eau Claire. So she, it is, she is home for the summer. So all of a sudden, we have all the kids at home and lots and lots of shoes and lots and lots of groceries. So... But it's all good. So I am honored that I'm able to speak to with you today. Um, this is not something that I have a lot of experience in, obviously. But I felt God's call that this is something that he wanted me to do. So I'm doing my best to be obedient and praying that the Holy Spirit will fill in the gaps of where I am weak. And so the last time I gave a message was at mom's group this last spring. And I referred to my husband by the wrong name. So... <laughs> I'm hoping this goes a little better, because I called him Greg. I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> so, so we've talked, you know, we've been doing a series on Psalms all summer long, and so we've talked a lot about the background in the book of Psalms, and that they are prayers and poetries and songs of people kind of expressing their heart for, um, to God. They just go over grief, th joy, thanksgiving, repentance, praise, but they are all focused on the character and nature of God. They are the cries of the people being lifted up to God. And so they are all an expression of worship. So today we are going to focus on Psalm 103, which was written by King David, even though we don't know exactly when it was written. They believe that it was later in his life because there's a maturity and a richness to the things that he speaks of in throughout this psalm. And so he realized that God has brought him through many, many trials Excuse me. And this is his expression of his heartfelt thanks of who God is, a God that he fully experienced. And so I want our time today to be focused more on learning more about who God is. And actually, <clears throat> that is my prayer when I sit down and read my Bible. I open up with prayer and say, God, reveal yourself to me. Help me to understand you a little bit deeper and more today. So desiring an understanding of who God is gives us a better understanding of ourselves and our relationships with other people. And even more than that, as you learn more about God, my prayer is that you will learn how to ex more experience God. And so as we go dive into Psalm 103, my prayer is that this message will be an encouragement to each and every person here, regardless of where you are at your faith. There may be some people here who have yet to experience a faithful and loving God, or some who have been a new believer but are not fully committed and not have a few more questions than answers and where you're just wondering, can I really trust God in all areas of my life? My hope is that this message will give you a glimpse of the beauty of what it is to know God 
and be known by him. My prayer is also that it encourages those who have been a Christian for a long time. Maybe you've become a little stagnant in your walk, and so today you may be needing a reminder as to why God is so good. As we will talk about, we all need reminders as to why we believe the things that we do, as well as reminders of how to walk out our faith, how to live it and experience the fullness of God. And no matter where you fall on the spectrum in your faith journey, I want you to the question I want you to ask yourself is, is God worth it? Is living a life fully committed to his plans worth it? Can you actually trust the things that God has to you to be good? Or is it easier just to do things on your own? As we go through this psalm, I hope to either reveal or remind you the true character of God. So bow your heads and pray with me. Lord, we come before you with expectations that you will show up today that you will touch the heart of every person here. There is a reason why we all showed up to church today. We pray that you will open our hearts to a message that you have for us and that the Holy Spirit will do your work the only way, the only way that he can. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are going to jump right into Psalm 103 together. We will be reading from the NIV version, and so open up your Bibles to that if you have it. Otherwise, it will be on the screen. We're going to be focusing on verses 1 through 18. It starts out with, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desire with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all of the oppressed. He made his ways known to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed, he remembers that we are dust. He, the life of mortals is like grass, they flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with the children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. David starts out this psalm with praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. This is desi David's desire that his whole self will praise God. He has experienced God fully, the God he knows has been faithful in all areas of his life. Even when David was involved in adultery and murder, things that we cannot even comprehend fully, God still redeemed him. God still loved him, and God never turned his back on him. So David's heart was one of full gratitude to a God who was everything to him, and his only response was complete praise from his soul. He goes on in verse 2, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. We are pretty forgetful people, and the Israelites were pretty forgetful people. And we read stories through the Bible in the Old Testament, especially, and I think 
these people know better. Like, clearly, God is God. And he has revealed himself over and over again to be who he says he is. But when I look up on my own life, it's just not quite as easy to see. So I don't know if you're anything like me, but I need reminders all the time. I would consider myself a fairly good multitasker and keeping on top of things, and I like to have a lot of plates spinning. And I rely heavily on my calendar and to-do list, but I do have to pretty much write everything down, otherwise I will forget it. And so, but what I've recently learned is that I am awful at laundry. <laughs> so we had, our laundry room is in the basement of our house, and our bedrooms are upstairs, so I'll bring a load of laundry, put it down in the laundry in the washing machine, set it, walk away. Three days later, I'm like, oh, shoot, I was doing laundry. So, I, you know, it's in the basement. We don't ever have a, really a reason to go down there for much of anything else, so I'm never quite reminded. It just gets pushed aside. So I've learned that I need to set a timer if I actually want to finish the laundry that I started. So, and I know this is a small, silly example, but I think our faith is often like that. We come to church on Sunday mornings and hear a message, and we're inspired and encouraged. We may even get up early Monday morning and read our Bible and do a devotional, spend some time in the Word, and then we just go about our week. And then by Friday comes, and we're pressing snooze on the alarm, and we're kind of rushing out the door, and we said, oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it later. I just don't quite have time. We need reminders, daily reminders, on what it means to choose to live our lives as Christians and what that means for our everyday life. And so Colonel talked about this a few weeks ago when we that we learn from other people's mistakes. We learn what to do and what not to do, and that shapes how we make our decisions for ourselves. The Bible is full of well-intentioned people not remembering, needing reminders about God and what he promised them, needing reminders about what he expects from them and how they continually lose their way and get off track from their purpose. So we're going to take a look in Deuteronomy, which is a book about God's covenant renewal. He is reminding this new generation about God's covenant. He had given his original covenant to the previous generation, and that generation had been part of the Exodus, uh, crossing the Red Sea, given the Ten Commandments, and spent 40 years in the wilderness. And so now Moses is preparing his people. He is about to say farewell, and he's reminding them of the promises God had given back to his people from the beginning. Because they were a group of people that notoriously forgot about God's promises for their lives. So it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting in verse 10, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the land he has given you. Be careful you do not forget the Lord your God. Failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Moses stresses, be careful, do not forget the Lord your God. It's a slippery slope we easily fall into. We settle into our everyday lives and we have what we need and we feel satisfied. So in this passage, it's more of a warning to keep those commands that God has given to his people. But when David wrote this psalm, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It was coming from a place based on the spiritual satisfaction he had experienced. 
The benefits of knowing God aren't necessarily nice things in a worry-free life. These are the benefits that we can't create for ourselves. They can only come from God. They are bigger and more powerful than anything we could do ourselves. So what are the benefits we need to remember? What are the characteristics of God that we cannot fulfill ourselves? David starts off with, first, remember he forgives all your sins. This is the ultimate thing we cannot do for ourselves. This is the characteristic that David starts out with. The biggest thing he wants us to remember about God is that God has forgiven him all of his sin. So we could stop right here and go home if we all would just continue to remember that God forgives all of our sin and let the, the weight of that, of what God extends to us, be fully understood. That we are each granted forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We become humble and grateful people. God's forgiveness covers everything we have done and everything we will do in the future. Secondly, David goes on to say, remember he heals all your diseases. So when we have healthy bodies and healthy minds, we, we take for granted sometimes that they are truly a gift from God. So anytime we're sick or struggling with some areas of mental health, it really kind of consumes you. We can take medication to help heal our bodies. We can um, try to stay healthy, eat right, good, get good sleep, exercise. But when illness hits, it's only God who truly can heal us. Third, uh, David goes on to say, remember he redeems your life from the pit. This is what points to what Jesus did, his salvation. He saved us from death and redeemed our life by paying our ransom. He brought us back from a life that was headed towards eternal death. So, you know, imagine falling into a pit, a big dirt hole in the ground. There is literally no way that you could climb your way out of the pit. Only Jesus is able to do that and save us from a death by pulling us out and putting us our feet on solid ground. Jesus paid that ransom for our death. Next, it says, remember he crowns you with love and compassion. When someone is crowned, they are set apart with dignity, like a person being crowned king or queen. So not only are we forgiven and healed and redeemed, we are made special. Brooke checked up about that a few weeks ago, in her, or last week in her message, that each and every one of us, we desire to be known. God cares about you that much that he wants you to know that he sees you and he loves you. He has set us apart by surrounding us with the love and having compassion for us, with his love and having compassion. And so lastly, the thing that David points out to remember is that he satisfies your desires with good things. Often what we believe is satisfies our desires, money, bigger house, good job, well-behaved kids. These are very, very temporary pleasures, especially the kids part, right? And as we saw in Deuteronomy 8, it says, Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied and you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied... Then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God. When we are satisfied with good things from God, it draws us towards him. And when we're satisfied with things of the world, our tendency is to forget about God. So the good things from God will always endure, and they will never run out. So what would our faith look like if we actually remembered the benefits of God that already has given, God has already given to us? 
benefits that we didn't earn or deserve and that God freely gave through his son, Jesus. When I think about these gifts alone, I know he is worth to give him my praise. When we let these benefits sink in, our hearts become truly grateful and our natural response is to praise God with our whole being. So David started out remembering and recognizing the benefits of God, knowing and experiencing God in his own life. He then goes on to remember what God has done for his people in the past. God is good to his people. He wants us to know who he is, and he reveals himself to us. As we look back in the Psalm 103, starting in verse 7, it says, He made his way known to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. All throughout the Bible, God wanted his people to know him. He's a personal God, and he continually reminded them of his covenant, even when they broke it over and over again. And as we look a little earlier in Deuteronomy chapter 1, Moses gives a recap of the history of God's people. It says, starting in verse 20, You have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God has given us. See, the Lord your God has given you this land. Go up and take possession of it, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. God is standing before them on a hillside overlooking the land, the land of milk and honey that was promised to them all throughout time leading up to this point. This is what they've been traveling for. This is what God had promised them over and over again. And he proved himself faithful, freeing them from slavery from the Egyptians. He made a covenant with them, reminding them that his promises were true. He led them by cloud by day and fire by night, showing them the way to go. But now the Israelites had a choice, enter the land or not. Take possession of the gifts or benefits God was offering to them or not. But they didn't rush in. Their first response is like, hey, we should send in some spies to scope out the land. The report back was good. There were some enemies in the land, but God assured them to not be afraid or discouraged. But they didn't trust what God saw to be good. They looked at what God was showing them, what he had promised them, and they were like, mm, I'll pass. So their fear and their doubt got the best of them. Colonel talked a lot about this a few weeks ago in his sermon. Their inability to trust God ended up in 40 years in the wilderness. They were afraid of what they saw. Obstacles they seemed they faced seemed to be too hard, and they didn't earn the land. It was simply what God had promised them. They could step out of bondage into freedom, but it didn't look like what they thought it should look like. I know it's a lot to be fearful of. Our world is broken. There are many trials and temptations and dangers and enemies that are bigger than us that we should be afraid when we don't forget about when we forget about God's sovereignty and grace. Some of us right now are standing on the edge of a decision. We may be feeling God's prompting a move of the Holy Spirit. And when we sense that the next step to where God is leading us, but when we look out into the future, it doesn't quite look like what we thought it should look like. It looks scary, and it looks something like we can't handle ourselves. It looks like we might get hurt if we step into it. This turning point or decision we are at may simply be, can I fully surrender my life to God? Or am I holding on to something that I don't want to quite give up control of? Something is holding you back, and you may be asking yourself, is giving up what I currently have worth the risk for the possibility of something different in the future? 
again, we can ask the question, is God worth it? Now, I grew up going to church, attending weekly. I went to a private Christian school all throughout my elementary years. I was shown Christ, but at the time, I didn't quite grab onto him. The older I got, going to church felt like it was something I had to do, not something I wanted to do. And so, as any of you know, I was a teenager with an attitude. And so going to church was never very fun. And so when I turned 18, I said, I am not going anymore. And because uh, I was an adult by that point, and I was making my own decisions. So a few years later, I met Jeff, and he had grown up in and out of the church, but uh, by the time he was in college, decided, made the commitment to Christ that this is how he wanted to live uh, his life. And so when we were having a conversation in the car one night, and uh, something about a Bible story came up, and I said, you don't really believe that stuff, do you? To me, it was all a bunch of old stories, but they didn't apply to life today. And I can only imagine at the time that he was faced with whether or not to kind of cut bait. So fortunately for me, shortly after that, he did invite me to church, and um, I ended up giving my life to Christ and developing a new idea of who God was and what the stories of the Bible meant for my life. And I had moved from knowing about God to actually experiencing God. So by the time we got married, we were both on the same page about our faith, wanting to put God at the center of our marriage and our priority as we raised our kids. We faithfully attended church, served wherever wherever we could. And then about five years ago, we both felt a larger calling on our life. Now, I have had a variety of roles over the years, and I never would have imagined becoming pastor would be one of them. And I know some of you are thinking, I don't want to fully surrender my life to God because I don't want to be a pastor either. <laughs> so fortunately, God calls each and every person to something different. But be sure of this, each follower of Christ does have a call on your life. The path that God has shaped my life is completely different what I, than what I thought it would be, but it is way better than I could have imagined. It is fuller. It has purpose and meaning. And I know that my life is not a mistake. I know that God has offered me grace and mercy each day and that I am seen and known by him. A few years ago, as I was starting the process to becoming a pastor, I clearly felt the Lord say to me, I haven't brought you this far to leave you here. John O'Gates, who was the guest speaker here a few weeks ago, continually said throughout his message, God will exceed your expectations, and it is true. Pastor Jeff, in all his infinite poetic wisdom, said this last spring, when you follow God, you get to do cooler stuff. <laughs> so today, Jeff and I are celebrating our 24th anniversary. So... He pointed out that it was our golden anniversary, kind of like when your 10th birthday, you turn 10 on the 10th. And so I don't know that, I think when you say golden anniversary, everyone's like, it's your 50th, right? So I don't know. So <laughs> I don't know. We're, we'll try to do something special, like go home and take a nap after this, I guess. <laughs> so, but as I think back on how my life is shaped out, I would never have imagined it would involve this. And I remember thinking that when Jeff first mentioned God all those years ago, I was unsure it was a path I wanted to go down. I had been to church and felt like that wasn't really for me. But at the time, I hadn't really experienced God. And that's a whole different kind of something. 
But I'm thankful that Jeff continued to pursue a relationship with me and he cared enough about me to bring me to church. And doing ministry together as a couple is better than I could have ever imagined on my own. So the last portion of Psalm 103 I want to focus on is how God's grace fills in our weaknesses. Again, we can ask the question, is God worth it? Is it worth it for me to step out in faith when I'm not fully qualified? Can I trust God to be worth it when I don't feel like I can do the things that he calls me to do on my own? I believe that I am a testament that we can never be too far gone, and I had completely rejected God all those years ago. I really had no idea what I was missing out on. But over and over again, as I continue to experience God, I am reminded there is not a place we can go to be too far from God. There isn't a sin too big to be forgiven. As it says in verses 11, 12, in Psalm 103, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed his transgressions from us. This is one of my favorite verses. A clear reminder that there isn't a distance that God wouldn't go to show us his great love. The grace given to us is unimaginable, without limit, but our human tendency is to put a limit on it, assuming we are just outside of God's reach. This is the grace that God extends to each, one, each and every one of us. This grace does two things. First of all, it removes our sin. Our sin is no more. Brooke talked about God being omnipresent last week. God is everywhere, so we cannot hide from him. But it also means no matter how far away we go and try to flee from God, he can find us. And when he finds us, he forgives us. Second, that same grace allows God to fill in the gaps of our weaknesses. You know, we are kind of here, and God calls us to here, and there is a gap from where we are to where God wants us to be. And all throughout Bible stories are where God calls his people to do the things they are unable to do on, they're on their own. Noah couldn't have gathered all the animals up into the ark on his own. Moses couldn't have parted the Red Sea himself. The apostles could not have spread the, spread the message of the gospel throughout the world if it was purely up to them. God's call always includes something we cannot achieve on our own. Our initial response always begins with, I am not equipped to do this. But that is where God steps in and fills in the gap where we are weak. God's grace fills in our weaknesses. That same grace that David was given is the same grace we get to receive today. David expands on that grace, reminding us how God intimately knows us, starting in verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. He knows us, he made us, he knows that we are weak. David realized his time on earth was short in light of eternity. He recognized that he is weak, his life is like dust, here for a short time. Before we know it, we are gone like the wind, but the Lord's love remains forever. There are two important points to this verse. First, God knows what we are made of because he made us. And as it says, he knows we are, how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. 
because he made us, he knows our weaknesses and limitations. He created us to have skills and ability and knowledge, but he did not make us superhuman. He created us to have a dependence on him. And because he created that dependence, we have to trust that he will come through each and every single time that he calls us to new challenges. He will not leave us hanging. Second, we are here for a short time. We are here temporarily. He is eternal. But because of that temporary nature, he doesn't want our time here on earth to be wasted. He wants us to live with the perspective that our days are numbered, so make the most of it. All of these areas point to the fact that we, by nature, are weak people. We have sin in our lives, and we are made of dust. Through this dependence on him, it allows us to do immeasurably more than we could ever do on our own. My job prior to working at Homestead was working for a water restoration company. Now, I had no previous experience working in that field, but through a variety of God-appointed circumstances, I took a job there. And I started out managing all the administrative details of the company, which I, has been great to transfer over to here. And then I also uh, managed repair projects. So when a customer had water damage, um, we would go in and put it all back together into its original state. So I was responsible for hiring subcontractors, finding materials, and managing the schedule. I learned a lot in a very, very short amount of time. And after I spent about a year in that role, it was right around the time when we purchased this building. And if you were here when we bought it, you'd know this building was kind of a hot mess. But it had good bones, so that's something. And early on, Jeff and Christy asked me if I would help manage the renovation project. And so how many of you know that sometimes God keeps you naive enough to think, oh, this won't be so bad. <laughs> I could do this. So I happily accepted, but we learned early on that this was quite a project, and there are many, many days where I felt ill-equipped, not really sure what I was doing. But God continued to fill in the gaps, providing volunteers when, who knew more than us, providing finances and materials at just the right time to encourage us with the next step, providing stamina and strength to keep going when the project faced delays. It was like a six-month project that turned into a year-long project, of course. And so when I look back at all the things that took place to get this building ready, one, I'm sometimes amazed that it's still standing, and two, I am humbled and honored that I was able to be a part of God's plan. It wasn't like I had years of experience in the restoration business. It wasn't something I had gone to school for or read a bunch of books about. But I offered up something to God and trusted him to use it. And God took that something, mostly my willingness to answer the call, and use that to help create something beautiful, a place for a community to find him and gather together and learn from each other. I had to rely on him daily to seek guidance, strength, and, wisdom, and knowledge. So as we wrap up today, I want to be honest with you. I was originally not super excited to come speak. I knew this was something God wanted me to stretch me to do, but as I said before, I am not a public speaker. What if I got up here and completely lost my train of thought? What if my Bible history and theology was totally wrong? What if I got in the way of God's message for you? But I am only here a short time, so I am called to be obedient. And today is just another example of God's ability to fill in my weaknesses. And as a side note, I want to say how much I appreciate so many of you. 
we, I was so encouraged getting calls and texts from people all throughout the week of people saying, praying for you, and you've got this, and everything like that. And so, and we had conversations as a staff that all throughout this sabbatical, as we've each kind of been stepping up and, and answering the call that God's put on us, that everyone has been so supportive and cheering us on. So thank you to everybody for being such an awesome group of people to, that we get to go to church with and be a f- church family with. So thank you. But David's response in knowing and experiencing God was to praise him. He had been through the best and the worst of times, and he concluded that the benefits of God were beyond anything he could ever do on his own. Knowing that he was loved by an everlasting God was enough to praise him from his inmost being, from the depths of his soul. So how does Psalm 103 speak to you? Does reading about these characteristics of God give you a desire to want to know him more? Does it encourage you to want to experience it for yourself? Do you need a reminder of the things you know to be true about God and how he feels about you make you walk out of here encouraged? So I ask myself and ask you today, is it worth it? Is living your life surrendered to a God worth it? Because to be honest, being a Christian sometimes feels hard. It feels like a lot of work. We have to be intentional about reading our Bible. We have to be intentional to spend time in prayer. We have to be intentional to seek God out. We have to do a lot of self-reflection, and sometimes that gets a little messy. We have to take time to listen for the Holy Spirit and see the way he is leading and guiding us. We have to listen and obey. We have boundaries and parameters that God has established for our lives. And we have to stretch and grow and not stay stagnant. On the surface, it sounds a little bit like work, but anything good in life takes work. And I'm not saying you have to work to be in right standing with God. These are just the things that you do to be in a better place than where you are right now. When we live, give our life to Christ, we are made a new creation. We are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. But we don't magically understand all that God and know all that God has for us. We become students to his will and his plans for our lives, learning and growing each day. And I know that God is with each and every one of us. He is all around us. And I believe the message that he gave to me a few years back can be true for you as well. I didn't bring you this far to leave you here. So my prayer today is that when you remember the goodness of God, the benefits he gives to those who love him, when the things God is calling you into doesn't look or feel like what you thought it would, and when you realize that we are people with flaws and faults, but that God knows that about us because he made us, and he's willing to fill in any gap in our weaknesses. I hope that when you question if living life fully surrendered to God is worth it, your response is yes. We can trust the miraculous gift the word of God is. We can see and hear the testimonies of other people who have declared it is better on the other side. My own life is a testimony to the mercy and grace that God provides. I am immeasurably better off walking with God than I would be on my own. He is good. He is trustworthy. 
He is the same God today that he was since the beginning of time. And understanding all of this, the only thing that David could do was praise the Lord. When we fully grasp that ourselves, that should be the response of our hearts as well today. May our hearts always be singing, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, your word is good. Your word is powerful. We are forgetful people, but you know that about us because you made us. We are here for a short time, and so we pray that our lives can be a reflection of your goodness. When we forget about the benefits that you have offered up to us, forgiveness, redemption, healing, satisfaction, we are never too far gone. As far as the east is from the west, you have forgiven us. Through the power of your son, you've removed our sin, made us whole. We pray that as we go throughout the week, that you will continue to help us learn more about the character of who you are and that your love is unconditional. You will help us experience the benefits of knowing you and serving a loving God. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.